Electronic Music Show brought to you by the Coastal Electronauts here in Whitstable. My name's Peter Coit, coming to you from the Sonic Shed, and I'm joined by my voltage-controlled co-presenter, Clive Walpole. Oh, hello, Peter, from my uh, resonating synth cave. <laughs> well, coming up later, we have the second part of the interview with Steve Hellier from Death in Vegas and his current project, Holovox, with Richard Thompson. But first, we've got a few pieces to play you, and starting with a really fantastic track from uh, the new Heimbach album that... Uh, I'm really impressed with it. It's, it's sort of, it's, it's the, uh, it's, it's the sort of album I expected him to make when I first knew what he did. The sonics of this are outstanding. Yeah, I love him back. Mm. He's using all the test equipment uh, he's gathered over the years, combined it with uh, the sort of different techniques uh, and rhythms and uh, sonic that he's developed. And I think this is sort of like a pinnacle of his work at the moment. So this is called Schwebung Summer from the album of the same name Behind Back
the uh, blood pumping, didn't it? It was good, that. Yeah. I like that. I heard you to uh, listen to that album. It's very... Uh, yeah, I will. Mm. There's plenty of low rumbles going on throughout mm. the album. And, That's uh, really nice. He, he visited the, the Vorm studio, sound studio in Rotterdam that uh, uh, Steve Hellier did a film about. Yeah. And talking about films, there's a, just been released, um, the film Sisters with Transistors, is Electronic Music's Unsung Heroines has been released recently. Oh, has that been released now? Oh. Yeah, we're, you can watch it online. It's a, it's a documentary by Lisa Rovner, oh. um, which features, uh, amongst others... Delia Derbyshire. Oh, I'll, have to, I'll have to look out for that then. I didn't yeah. realise it had been released. Available online now. Oh, great. I will definitely yeah, take a look at that one. I'd like to see the the other one about Delia Derbyshire as well, on BFI's premiere, but I don't know if it's going to be released right. anywhere. Well, they're, they're certainly getting their... Uh, they deserve they deserved credit now. As, as oh, pioneer, absolutely, yeah. A big influential pioneers in this music. Yes, yeah. But this is a piece called... Matachin or Matakin? Mat, 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 well, I've always pronounced it Matachin, but it could be Matakin. Yeah. Uh, it's from 1984, and it's, uh, it's quite a short piece, uh, and it's based on uh, a medieval pavan. Um, uh, music concrete, as you know, usual uh, Delia's uh, style, using tape and um, uh, probably test oscillators and things like that as well. With it. simple but uh, obviously the process is quite very complicated oh no the amount that went into that is quite amazing when you when you sort of analyze it and listen mm. to everything going on in it. yeah all those rhythms and things like that and they all have to be timed out on tape yeah every every yeah, note clock. is every note is made separately yeah oh no it's, it's incredible <laughs> <laughs> so we have a piece by analog mechanic next yes yes this is we haven't sorry heard, we haven't heard from them for a while no, <laughs> this was a piece, uh, Indulgent Electronica, I didn't think of another title for it, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was it was my first foray into sort of experimenting with West Coast style mm. music, and it's all done with um, modular instruments, uh, mostly the Pittsburgh modular, I think. Yeah. And uh, I think I've got a little bit of the um, Dreadbox on here as well, Dreadbox uh, Erebus. Oh, nice. Doing some of the stuff as well. And this is... Uh, so it's from Living Spaces? Is that you? Uh, this one wasn't from Living Spaces. It was just on its own. It's just a thing I did on its own. So oh. it's indulgent, yeah, electronic. Sort of just a one-off. Smashing. Smashing. 
thank you. Yeah, it was just a, a sort of a noodle. It wasn't yeah. that indulgent, it was just lovely. It was, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I can never think of names of tracks because I think uh, they just come mm. out. And seeing that you've had uh, one of your tracks, I thought I'd play one of mine for a change as well. Yeah, be good. But uh, this is a, a sketch for this uh, new dance music piece I'm working on with uh, Dora Frankel, choreographer again. It's from a piece that's going to be developed this year called Tread Lightly on the Planet. Mm. And it's the, third, it's, the, it's the third piece in the trilogy based on Turner's work. But it's, uh, it's, it's very much based on, on uh, environmental change and devised it in Newcastle just before Christmas, just before the lockdown started again. And this is a piece based on... So I, look at the, I was looking at the character of the Harlequin. Anyway, I don't want to say anything more about it, but this is, this is a piece from the new Tread, tread Lightly on the Planet. sort of vocal textures they were like those textures in the background were they sort of like vocals that were being yeah, texturised there were samples uh, for field recordings put through a modular ah mm. right oh, I like that mm. nice yes. nice plucky uh, cello sounds mm. I like that mm. So before we uh, move on to the second part of Steve Hellier's interview we've got one little banger yeah <laughs> Yep. <laughs> <laughs> By Lady Tron. Yeah, this is Lady Tron from uh, their 2002 album. Big, I'm a big fan of Lady Tron. I've got 
I think I've got nearly all their stuff. Mm. Uh, this is from their Light and Magic album from 2002. And this was this track was released as a single. I don't know whether it got anywhere, but it was. Uh, it, it might be the only one they released as a single off of here. And uh, yeah, I like it. It's sort of interesting. Uh, it had a, quite a nice video to go with this as well. I remember. Uh, it's got quite um, almost sort of um, sort of sinister vocals, really. When you when you put it towards um, well, the way people are treated in a way. That's what it is. Yeah. women are treated in a way it's quite interesting ok well this is called 17 by Lady Tron
Mm. Nice. Yeah, big users of cork synths. Well, uh, I think they're in their twenties and yeah, quite a, quite a range of them. Monopolies as well. Oh, I like the, uh, the phasers on on the synths on that as well. Yeah, it's, like, it's really nice. Really nice sound textures on the, on the mm. tracks. Yeah. So now we move on to the second part of uh, Steve Hellier's interview. Yeah. So, as well as uh, making music, do sound installations and work with art pieces. Yes. Yeah. Do you want me to talk you through that or? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I came at it from a bit of a circuitous route. Obviously, I'd been interested in doing it at art school, but I'd never really kind of been able to uh, get it together. I ended up. I think I ended up for my degree show making a load of stuff that was audio related but mute so it was like speaker boxes without speakers in stuff like that <laughs> it was all a bit peculiar so um yeah so so i ended up I, I i basically having worked with kind of sound a lot as a radio sound engineer first of all and then getting into kind of media sound and doing a lot of mixing and f- uh, sound design and foley and stuff like that i'd sort of ended up with some of the tools to um to start to think about um sound pieces mm. in in that way um you know and the you know a couple of really good opportunities sort of presented themselves and um off i went i started working with um an artist called mark lecky yeah i'd done some sound pieces before them but he had a lovely beautiful collage very free collage style um you know and what, when sound I, collage so, you mean yeah, so when I... Well, his media collage, I mean, basically, right. he's like this kind of... Um, what's my analogy for him? Uh, what are those whales that, that sort of filter? Oh, oh bailing <laughs> whales. Bailings. Yeah, so that's yeah. what he's like with culture. <laughs> yeah. He's got the most incredible ability to sort of filter things. And, um, yeah. and, you know, I mean, it was one of those things I always, you know, always had a lot of time for people who could pick out a sample, you know, it was that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. because that's what that's essentially what it it stopped being about making the thing and started being about recognizing and contextualizing it you know yeah and um postmodernism is all about i suppose isn't it? you, you, you could you, you could argue that but i mean it's sort of like you know uh people were doing collage in the 20s you know mm. what i mean it's sort of part part of the early development of cubism so i don't know it's weird it's sort of been in there mm. it's like the the it's the need to take the world and actually put it in the thing that you're making i think rather than just a representation of it mm. and and that's what mark does he just sort of and and he's known for doing it with you know sort of post internet with basically uh, making things out of youtube clips and stuff like that so mm. Uh, I've worked with him on gallery installations and it's got more and more ambitious to the point where it's just got silly now Uh, did a show his sort of career highlight show at the Tate Britain and it was a a life size recreation of a motorway bridge built in in the 60s it was life size right so it's cutting through the gallery and um my job was to try and design some sort of speaker installation that would breathe life into this thing like in terms of giving it a a voice and sound so it ended up with i think it was 20 channels and two subs and it had nine video channels and it had light uh light control as well and it was it was basically a kind of piece of theater it was incredible wow sounds amazing 
Yeah, and it was like, I'm um, technically like, I had no idea how we were going to do it <laughs> and um, getting all those things to work and sync together and stuff like that. But, and then, you know, making it into a kind of coherent piece and taking all of these bits that Mark had done. He'd, he'd written a, a fantastic kind of, almost like a radio play for young actors that we went and recorded up in uh, Manchester. They're all young galleys. And that was the premise of one of the pieces. And it was like one of the characters gets um, abducted by a fairy that lives underneath the bridge because <laughs> <laughs> it's something that happened to him or he, he recollects that it happened to him under this bridge yeah. so um, yeah so having done all of that it was like it, it's just been like this this really sort of lovely reconnection of my fine art past with my sort of you know musical and technical sort of abilities to come together and be oh, able to perfect combination for you yeah, well, you just, I think what happens in, you know, things come round in your life, don't they? They kind mm. of like, you know, you come back to the same place, but you're mm. a different person and you're able to reacquaint yourself with them. So is this, this uh, recording we've got now, is that a, a section from it? From which, the, which one is it? The bridge, we've got bridge transmission. All oh, right, so bridge transmission is, I was uh, given the job of making a lot of uh, material for Mark and I worked with two... Uh, young musicians um, Tim and James who are collectively known as Lung Dart and they've got a show on NTS and we made a load of material and um, what I asked Mark if I could do was I we had all this material and I said to him can I do a remix for you because he you know he had more material than he ever used in the piece it was super rich mm. um, so yeah there's there's things like uh, Bodron through a modular synth and stuff like that alright it's very and and that sort of riffing on a lot of his ideas which are about the super ancient and the super modern sort of coming together yeah. you know so um yeah so this this was this was my uh, my attempt at sort of mining some of that material Brilliant. okay so it's bridge transmission
Jones. Yeah, I find it a little bit disturbing because I know that what Mark wanted to do was make that bridge talk. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was the that was the sort of premise behind some of that. But, um, oh, it's a fantastic concept. Yeah. yeah. So there's a point in the narrative where um, it turns out the bridge is built on a series of older bridges on the same site, uh... and uh, and he disappears down this kind of tunnel and ends up at a kind of barrow, which is like the first site, the first bridge. Mm. You know, <laughs> so it's all uh, psycho geography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, stone tape theory. I don't really know. Yeah, that one. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Like the idea the bridge is made out of some recording material. Yeah. Right. Okay. I was thinking uh, it sort of sounds like if Tom Waits got into installation as well. Got a bit of that <laughs> going as well. That, that, dry, that rhythm that goes yeah. through it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's the the, the Bodron gives it that flavour, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. so. Uh, <laughs> that will be on the B side of the main bridge piece, Under Under In, is coming out on Boomcat this year. And on the B side is that that remix. And then the track um, that's used in uh, a little bit near the end uh, by Lung Dart is on the right. B side as well. Mm. So next we have uh, another piece by yourself, Sound System Soul. Yep, so I got, uh, I was really um, lucky to be invited to go and um, work as part of a, a festival of urban, they called it kind of urbanism, but it was like a, a sort of invitation to find and make a sound piece uh, as part of that festival and the idea was that it was geotagged to a particular location I chose the last remaining what would essentially be kind of council block I suppose the kind of history of South Korea and Seoul in particular is like you know it's really interesting after the Korean War what happened and these, these blocks have been teared down and developed and this is one of the last ones I think they're going to turn it into artist studios or something i mean it's like you know it's a sort of uber uber gentrification everything that's (laughs) everything that's happened like to you know to to a sort of western cities happening to seoul in on steroids you know it's (laughs) it's incredible so um i i sort of the idea of this piece was to take that kind of idea of battling of of um you know, sort of being from Lewisham, uh, battling sound systems. So the idea that you take two opposing, and and it was sort of partly inspired by that thing that had happened on the on the demilitarized zone. Oh yeah, yeah, when they were playing the music. Yeah, so that's it. Yeah, so because yeah, because like <laughs> exactly. So you had yeah. you had um, North Korea, um, you know, pumping yeah. out propaganda, and then South Korea erects sound systems and starts pumping back. Um, yeah. Cult, uh, sort of K-pop. They were, yeah, they were yeah. It was the most bizarre thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, I, so I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to sort of take these uh, two different parts of um, uh, of Seoul? You know, so I went around doing a load of field recording of these different parts of Seoul. Like one was the kind of part of Seoul which is really vital. It's a kind of globalizations happen to them really differently. The stuff that they sell in the shopping centres and malls is made two miles down the road right which because they still have they still have manufacturing well i mean i remember this growing up you know in the 70s i'd walk past factories and stuff in london yeah. all, the, all the time in hackney yeah. there's all there's just loads of them you know. yeah 
Well, they're not there anymore, are they? <laughs> no, they're flat. They're <laughs> yeah. apartments yeah. and uh, yeah. restaurants, whatever. <laughs> well, there's still there's still that going on, but they don't. I think they're kind of trying to work out what to do with it, or whether it mm. gets kind of you know. So Send I thought the there was this. Yeah, yeah. Well, or, or the gentrification is happening to them in a different way, and a lot of the mm. problems that are that are thrown up by globalisation is happening to them in a different way. And, and uh, I just thought it'd be really interesting to take these kind of conflicting sounds, this very squeaky, uh, curated, almost sort of uber perfect K-pop thing, and some of the sort of cultural tensions of that, and then like offset it against how uh, some of this other stuff that's happening as well. did a performance um, 
live performance collaboration with a, a choreographer, a Juwon song her name was, and, and, a, a, and a dancer. And we did a kind of extended version of that choreography. I think there's a video flying around. I might send you a link for it. Oh, where I can. Yeah, please, I'd love to see that. Yeah. You can tell your, uh, you know, your, your sort of quality of recording and uh, yeah, must be from your experience in radio, there's definitely a high quality of that. Yeah, mm. I, I, I mean, I'm not, I, I, I don't um, get too hung up on that because I think what, what, I, what I think is interesting about, it's more like the idea is what, what are you going to do with the sound? Mm. It's like, so the, you know the kind of quality of what it is you're recording is 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 that I think it's defined by that. So for me, it's like um, like there are pieces in there. So we went to this incredible. It was like one of the first um, technology uh, markets in Seoul, mm-hmm. and it's and it, it was like a, if you went there, it like was in the late 50s or 60s that they built it, and it's now sort of dilapidated because no one wants any of that stuff anymore. So you go there, and it's like a kind of graveyard of old technology. <laughs> and there was and the the cuckoos at the start mm. are this lovely guy who had this little stall. He's still there, you know, and it's a a doorbell oh. it's a sampling doorbell <laughs> <laughs> so it's inherently like the worst quality 8-bit sound mm. but it was like you know i just was totally and some of his voices are in that piece as well and mm. it was i was just trying to kind of because that was like imperfect stuff and falling it against some of the there was a k-pop record that i had away that had the this you know, K-pop's this sort of beautiful, shiny version of South Korean culture. Mm. And and it's got a really sort of dark underbelly, you know. There's all sorts of... South Korea's got the second highest suicide rate in the world. Really? Yeah. The amount of pressure they put on themselves to... to um, they, like, huge amounts of suicide when the students get their results. Oh, blimey. Stuff like that. It's a really, pressure. You know, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. Mm. There's... There, um, no family would ever not consider sending their kids to school on a Saturday. Hmm. So there's lots of stuff going on. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, and then the, the taking K, uh, K-pop piano and turning it into church bells to kind of slightly uh, refer back to the fact that they've got, you know, they've got uh, 25% of South Koreans are Christians. Right. But they're, they're Christians in the way that that is that American tradition of Christianity, which is about God wants you to be rich and successful, <laughs> you know? So it's like that, you know, you, so in Seoul at night, you can see all these red crosses. Yeah. You know, so they've got this sort of strange blend of all these things. They're like kind of cultural magpies that have taken all this stuff that just suits them. You know, they've got that going on. There's some, you know, there's some Buddhists, there's some Confucius and, mm. and there's a shaman thing going on as well. Like it's quite a big, so, None of the um, heads of any of the corporations will consider making any important decisions until they've gone to see a shaman. <laughs> Sounds like an amazing place. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crackers. Hmm. Talking about travelling, and we don't travel, but we nearly played this on our Bangers New Year's Eve show. Yeah. I Travel, Simple Minds, it's one of my favourite tracks. From yeah. it. Reminds me of uh, dancing in... I don't know, in the clubs in the 80s. There weren't that many disco, you know, dancey tracks at those times, but this is a no. corker, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, I'll I tell you what you've got to do, though, before you, before this track comes on. What's that? 
you've got to go onto YouTube and there's a pissed Derek Forbes in his kitchen showing you how to play the bass line for I Travel. And all I can say is, the man is a machine. See the bit of the real thing there. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Definitely big influence on me, keyboard player. 
Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly where he lives now because I went to stay with a, a friend of my, my ex-wife when I was doing a job for Mark in um, Tramway in Glasgow. We were doing a show up there. Yeah. And um, I didn't really want to stay in a hotel because I was staying with this lovely lady, Vicky, and uh, she'd bought this place that was on a kind of old set of farmhouses that had been turned into flats. She said, you know who lives in the gatehouse, don't you? I said, who? It's Mick McNeil from Simple Minds. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was everything I could do to stop myself going and knocking on his door. Yeah. Like some sort of twat, you know, going like, hello. <laughs> you know? He would have been happy, he would have been pleased, I reckon. So we've got the last track of the evening, which is another piece from your uh, Colourvox album, Bad Comrade. So this was Richard had a, um, he's a, absolute pedal addict mm. so i love it isn't it they say it's the same thing that happens with modulars but it's just like in pedal form and they were doing it before modular since yeah. guitarist but yeah i mean if he could he'd have a he'd have a really really big pedal board right. you know one he couldn't even lift um but he bought this uh, guitar pedal called a bad comrade and I swear blind, it just never did the same thing twice. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, the uh, remix you just completed today? Yeah, so we're gonna, we're, what we're gonna do is just, we're just gonna do an extra little release with the album of some versions of this. So, uh, fantastic. Here we go then.
This evening, yeah, it's excellent. That's um, Richard giving his giving his most well, basically that that riff came out once and once only yeah. on, the, on the bad comrade, and then well, you like was, a bit crusher or something on like that. It no, no, it's this pedal. It was this pedal, yeah. and it was just yeah. like you, whatever you did with it, you couldn't get it to do the same thing twice. Yeah. I've just looked it up. <laughs> Hand yeah. wired in Seattle, Washington. There you go. That's all you need to know, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> is it a distortion? Is it a ring, ring modulator delay? Just call <laughs> it a bad comrade. <laughs> it doesn't know what it is. It doesn't know what it, it is. It doesn't know what it is. <laughs> oh, oh, I, love, I love random stuff. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Yeah, but there is such a thing as too random. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Thanks. We haven't, even, we haven't even talked about your time at Worm. Worm. Oh, no. Okay. Did you enjoy oh. the film? Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, and that, and that yeah. The, that place and that, that chap it's an incredible amazing. place isn't it yeah, yeah. Just a so dream place. I, I was um, I was quite interested in him for a number of reasons so he's a kind of you know he's basically a sort of Dutch working class geezer in his 40s who's decided that his calling is to uh, mine as much test equipment as possible mm. and and build a studio out of it and, and he's lucky enough to sort of have some friends at this place that is a, like an art centre in Rotterdam because they let him leave it on. I mean, it's just insane the amount of electricity it probably uses. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it's a sweat box as I well. Gotta I guess so. It must be like an oven in there. It's um, unbelievable, you know. Um, yeah, and he just sits there for sort of days making the same sort of weird droney stuff. But 
Um, I'd gone there to do some, uh, you know, part of a project about shipping containers because Rotterdam's a really big uh, shipping container port. And mm. uh, yeah, I, I, I saw him and I thought I've got to make a film about him. He's <laughs> such a, he's such a kind of interesting character. Yeah. You know, so. Now that Heinbach has made it all sort of yeah. very sort of you know in at the moment, isn't it? You know, I think Dennis is sort of interested in it. Is just really, he's interested in sort of doing something completely different all the time. Mm. I don't know, you know, musically. I'm, I've got a project where I'm going to try and remix some of the stuff uh, that he's got. Some stuff he's done that he wants various different people to remix. So I'm yeah. working on that at the moment. But it's sort of it's both rich and it kind of isn't because there's a load of stuff in there that's doing the same thing you know mm. you know Do- because, doorless <laughs> well it's it's beyond doorless isn't it it's mm. it's it's literally instrumentless because yeah. that stuff was never designed primarily to be an instrument yeah it's all tesky wasn't it yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it is the original there's a lovely documentary on YouTube called What the Future Sounded Like mm. it's the history of the electronic music studio yeah yeah have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they, yeah. it talks about that. Peter, uh, Peter Zinuviev mm. That's talks, right, yeah. ab- talks about the fact that if you wanted to, um, you know, build a studio after the war, you just went to army surplus shops that were selling yeah. off a load of radar. Yeah. And and you got yourself some heterodyne analyzers or whatever, and off you went. That relates to one of our favourite artists, Fred Judd. Oh, Fred Judd, yeah, we want to do a, a show on Fred Judd, don't we? He worked at the um, uh, radar factory at the bottom of the estate where me and Steve Davis Moon lived. Right. And we didn't I didn't know about it until, you know, recently. With most of us did, but he's a you know, he's an electro- early electronic pioneer. Brilliant. Yeah, he was a radar, radar engineer, wasn't he? Yeah. But did it it did a lot of stuff. He worked with uh, Daphne Oram as well. Yeah. Mm. Well thanks very much for joining us tonight. It's some fantastic yeah, pieces thanks. and it's been really fun. good Steve. Yeah, really thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Mm. It's been a sort of journey through a few decades there, a few memories, yeah. and lots of uh, stuff I haven't heard of and uh, I'm going to explore after this. Yeah, great. yeah it's great, great. to uh, find new stuff. Thanks for listening tonight. Steve was a great guest, lots of really interesting and rich stuff there. Yeah, really fascinating insights into his uh, sort of influences there and his music. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm. Well, join us on Facebook at the Coastal Electronauts. Joining the conversation yes. there. Great to have chats with you. But, uh, we'll see you again next week. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye.